Hello and welcome to Stuff We Say Flashback Episode 5. I'm Jamie, and in this episode from a few years back, I got to sit down and talk about Sonic games with Stealth, aka Simon Tomley. Now it's no secret that one of my favorite games of all time is Sonic Mania, and Simon Tomley, along with Christian Whitehead, were two of the masterminds behind that title. But it's also a very well-known fact that they got their start in Sonic fan game development. Simon had worked on a lot of really cool Sonic projects. Sonic Megamix and Sonic Metrics come to mind, uh, the latter of which blew my mind because it was a Sonic fan game that actually had a demo of it ported to the Wii and PSP. So I figured, why not sit down with him and actually interview him about how he got his start in Sonic fan game creation and some of his favorite projects. So that's what you're about to hear right now. Welcome back to the Stuff We Say podcast, everyone. Today we're joined by one of my favorite game designers of all time. He's worked on ROM hacks, he's worked on fan games, he's worked on Sonic Mania, and of course Sonic Mania Plus now available for Nintendo Switch, uh, PS4, Xbox One, and Steam? Is it on Steam? Yep. Yep. Uh, and of course, that's Mr. Simon Tomley himself, also known as Stealth. So how are you doing, man? Oh, doing pretty good. Good, good. As I said, uh, lots of in- incredible work, even before the stuff with Sega. Of course, work on iOS, Sonic 1 and 2, and before that. Uh, you've just been a major part of the Sonic fan community for a long time. The good part of the Sonic fan community, as you mentioned. There's a lot of aspects, but like, I've been seeing your work for years uh, now. Of course, you've worked on Sonic Megamix, which was massive. Uh, and then there's Sonic Metrics, which at this time I may or may not have a piece about out. So definitely uh, stay tuned to, to me on Twitter for all those uh, watching at home or listening at home, depending on what platform you are. But you've done so much just programming wise over the years uh and a previous time when we were talking you mentioned how you started with the ti-99-4 and then uh went on to the apple II, and you, you originally tried to make a sonic fan game for the apple II initially uh yeah. could you kind of go into that a bit uh well there's not much to it really um and unless we're starting back on the ti-94 uh, basically, I just started um, trying to program really simple things on there, just uh, printing stuff to the screen, uh, some weird little bits like uh, math quiz, something. And uh, I've gone into uh, database programming a little bit because basically uh, my dad had a job as a database programmer at uh, Sony. And uh, so I kind of tried to emulate that a little bit and... I got, I got a few of those little programs running, and uh, eventually we got an Apple II, and I started trying to I started trying to uh, program for that. Um, sort of around the era of uh, Mario Super Mario Brothers, I had de- I had decided to, to uh, move toward uh, game programming more than like more than like uh, utilities and stuff, and uh, so I started trying to create a game. Well, basically, a really basic platform game for the Apple II, and uh, recently I've actually I've actually had a chance to uh, play with it again. I've got I got an Apple II GS now, and uh, I had recorded a video and put that up for people to see. Uh, 
it's uh, it's real basic. Like at the time, I couldn't even figure out I couldn't even figure out how to uh, make jumping work. Oh. So the character teleports instead. It's a special and, uh, power. Yeah, it's not a flaw. It's a feature. <laughs> okay, so there was that one, and I tried to move on from from that to. Basically, I wanted to make a Super Mario 3 clone, and I made this small program with a, um, a sort of a sort of map screen on it. I got it to the point where you could move around on it. It was still in the 40 by 40 low res mode, and didn't really get very far with that. Eventually, uh, when Sonic came around, then I had decided that yeah, this is this is the sort of thing that I wanted to do was uh, something more like Sonic. So I started I started uh, looking toward making something with Sonic, and about as far as I got on it with the Apple II was to draw about half about half of Sonic's head. That's <laughs> and, yeah. So going into your relationship with Sonic, you were there from the very beginning, back in '91, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, yeah, so, you, oh, go on. Oh yeah. So um, I'd seen um, very shortly after he was released, I had seen I had seen the game on display at a uh, at a Sam's Club, and that just it just kind of blew me away at the time, and it took me a while to get to actually play it because usually it was full up and my parents wanted to drag me around and uh, but uh, yeah when i finally got a hold of it i i was i was like wow and i it, it seemed one of the things about it was to, it seemed to me more complicated than than other stuff that i had played before and i knew that that i wanted to be able to do complex technical stuff like that and i just i just had fun with it and i'm like Okay, this this is what I'm doing now. I want to be able to do something like this, and eventually it, it came to be. I want to work with the people who did this. So going even further into that, what was it that stuck out in the complexity of Sonic? Of course, it wasn't a control because technically, going, you know, let's be honest. If you wanted to, you could probably use a con- an Atari controller to play a, a classic Sonic game. Yeah. But was it the momentum-based platforming in particular? Just that type of momentum. Yeah, pretty much. It's just like exactly, exactly what uh, I assume Sega wanted to uh, be the most impressive thing about Sonic was pretty much what impressed me. <laughs> so it's like nice. the this the uh, the uh, the speed, the, the physics, just. So I guess before we go on, uh, controversial question: <laughs> What's a better piece of retro hardware? The Apple II GS or the Sega Genesis or I guess Mega Drive since uh, according to analytics we have a lot of European viewers now. <laughs> uh, well, if you uh, if you are looking to play games, I think it would be the uh, I think it would be the uh, Mega Drive. Mm-hmm. Like the, uh, the the Apple II GS has a I think it's a 6502 processor. Like I'm I'm kind of hoping to look into that sometime in the near future and actually try and do stuff for it directly mm-hmm. but uh it has a 6502 kind of like the nes but it's the uh the 16-bit version which from my understanding is kind of a hack of the original 6502 to uh to get it to do a few 16-bit instructions a lot of stuff still 8-bit and this could be just the uh, Super Nintendo version. I'm not sure if there was like a later version of the uh, processor produced, but uh, 
that, that that's where I learned the most about it was uh, with the Super Nintendo. But I think that I would say that the Genesis would be uh, better for it because it's just it's just better better suited for games since it's built that way. Like it's got it's got um, specialty hardware for uh, I/O stuff like the graphics, the sound, just takes takes care of a lot of stuff that you don't have to have as a load on the main processor. Most definitely. So moving forward, you when would you say you first found out about the kind of uh, the Sonic hacking and fan gaming scene? Uh, because the first project I know you worked on was Sonic Project Metrics, which you came on about. 96 97 uh but when did you yourself discover the community and uh, how so did you find it uh well i was part of creating it actually like uh no kidding yeah <laughs> so i started um i got i first got onto the internet in uh, 1995 with aol and i had uh, met a few people uh some of the people I got together with became friends with. The, we decided we, we wanted to make a Sonic game of our own, and uh, the first thing that we did was that uh, we got we got copies of um, uh, Click and Play, and we tried to do something with that. But that I don't know. I don't know how many of the viewers would actually know very much about Click and Play in specific. But it was like very very primitive. It it didn't even have uh, scrolling as a native thing for it. So like pre like old versions of Game Maker essentially. Yeah, very very old. Mm -hmm. And it just wasn't working out. So, I uh, I had had uh, some books that I had bought about a year or two prior to that. I had never opened them. I never took the time to look at them. I just I cracked them open. Uh, they were uh, beginners programming with C game uh, C, pre C game programming in C stuff like that. And um, I just got to work on it uh did a few did a few demos uh that game didn't quite pan out um during that period i met i met uh someone named andy andy Wollen and uh got involved with his site uh i forget what it was called i think it's like just andy andy Wollen's sonic site or something like that mm -hmm. so i was uh I think what I was doing at the time was mostly updating, uploading uh, reviews of the comics, the Sonic the Hedgehog comics that were coming out. And um, so we had gotten to uh, talking about uh, about a more comprehensive site and everything. And we decided that we wanted to make a sort of sort of a technical site about Sonic. And that's what eventually turned into the SSRG, if uh, you know that name. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that became that became the original SSRG, and um, we kind of recruited a few other people to bring sites into into the group to uh, just have a have a larger group, and um, we had uh, let's see one of the yeah one of the first ones was uh, Andre Dirk's uh, Secrets of Sonic the Hedgehog I think it was oh cool I that actually sounds familiar to me oddly enough. Yeah, uh, yeah, I think that I think that's what it was called. I know, I know it was Andre Dirk. Uh, he was the guy. He was the guy that was um, showing off a copy of of uh, Sonic Two prototype that he happened to have. Was that the Y prototype? Yeah. That mm -hmm. oh, wow. so was like I think that was before uh, Simon Y had uh, gotten a copy for himself because I think 
he is the one that actually um, that actually released it to the internet. Uh, Andre Dirk uh, was he was he was posting information and all because he had a cartridge, but I don't I I don't think he had a way to like dump it dump or anything. It. Yeah. So I guess just kind of going to that, like, what's the process of actually dumping a ROM? And I asked this as someone interested myself because <laughs> I have a weird Sonic Amiga demo thing that uh, I want to dump at some point, but I have no idea about how doing so. Uh, it's just a matter of uh, finding a way to transfer information from one thing to another. Like um, with some of the old, uh, some of the old consoles, like the Genesis and the Super Nintendo, they had. Um, I think I think they referred to them as backup units, where it's a special hardware that you plug into the into the console, and then you plug the cartridge into the hardware, and it it has a it has a disk drive on it. Oh, is it like the it, UFO drive on the N sixty four? Yeah, sort of. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that that would be one way. Um, another way, like you were saying, you were saying something about the Commodore yeah. that. Uh, yeah, you could um, for stuff like that. Like with the two GS, I know that I that I've uh, tried recently. There is a, there's a special uh, cable that you can put together that uh, it connects one side to the two GS, one side to the PC through uh, USB, and then there's some uh, specialized uh, software on both sides for communication, and you just use that to uh, transfer the info over. Oh, cool! So. Something that it's would you say just one of those things that seems complex, but really there's simpler solutions than you may expect. Uh, yeah, yeah, I think so. So I guess going back in the main top. So I felt like I should ask because I, <laughs> I said I have that weird demo and it's a, a terrible demo. It's it's hardly a game, but <laughs> <laughs> you know it's like it exists. <laughs> yeah, it's not official, but it's cool. <laughs> but um. I guess going into that, actually, you know, bringing up Amiga demos and whatnot, would you say that a lot of what you're doing at time kind of sprouted from the demo scenes that kind of started with uh, the C64 and the 8-bit computers and grown on to, like, the Amiga and the 2GS and whatnot? Uh, for me personally, not really, because I had I had no idea that sort of stuff was actually going on at the time. Mm-hmm. Like, it, it was... It was uh, several years after I had started actually using the internet that uh, I had found out about any of that stuff. Mostly because the internet was just like small; there was very little on it at the time. Right, back when like back when Amazon was truly just a bookstore. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I guess going to that. So around that time, when did you say? Would, would you say how throughout that did you get into the project metrics project? I guess just kind of give a short overview of that one, since of course we have that larger piece coming out on it. If it's not already out when this podcast goes out. Okay. Uh, well, you know, I started that I started on uh, PC, DOS, and Windows with uh, that earlier team after uh, after we had tried with Cook and Play, mm-hmm. and I developed a few a few uh, small demos there. Uh, first thing I released was just a basic tile scroller. Uh, then there was a game that I called um, Knuckles' Ring Rush. Oh, cool. uh, if, have you seen that one? Uh, I haven't it's, heard it's, of that one. No. It's just a real. It's just a basically a single room where uh, you play as Knuckles. He can uh, he can 
do all his moves, uh, run, spin, dash, uh, fly, or glide, and climb. And and you just need to pick up uh, enough rings within the time limit. Oh, cool. So something that I guess very much, you know, very simple, almost like a mobile-esque game nowadays, but it was the 90s, which means that, as I said, which makes it actually, you know, really impressive, especially on PC. Yeah. And uh, from there, there was, uh, was, I was still trying to work on uh, that particular game. It was, it was called uh, Knuckles the Echidna Last One Standing. The um, story that my friend had come up with was, it it was like based on the the Saturday morning Sonic show, oh, and uh, Robotnik had uh, finally captured all of the Freedom Fighters except that Knuckles was still out and about, and then he has to go and save them. Oh wow, that that actually be really cool. <laughs> I mean, of course, you know the biggest part of Sonic's never the story, but like, I don't know, I like the Saturday M. That would have been cool. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, did you know about the um the yeah yeah i don't care i see when did when did you find out about that one because that one looked odd to say the least uh i don't really know uh probably sometime in the early 2000s mm-hmm. was a playable version of that one ever leaked for, for those at home uh listening and who don't know there's a planned game it was by sega america based off the sonic cartoon from the 90s but instead of a sonic game it was like what a a, a a 2d stealth sonic game i guess sort of yeah it seemed to have some of sonic's mechanics but it wasn't really speed and physics based like the regular ones Mm -hmm. but uh basically it was just a it was just a concept at the time everything that we have is um just stuff that somebody animated on uh some particular program i forget what it was but it was popular at the time on amiga uh just yeah, everything that we've seen is just uh, animations as uh, kind of a pitch. Oh. Like, they never got, actually got around to uh, programming the game. Uh, so it was just in the pitch phase, but never really got past that. Yeah. I'm, I'm surprised it didn't do, though, especially seeing as uh, we got Spinball, and Spinball was very much so cartoon-influenced. And I, I guess, you know, what would it be without going to Mania, because I know we aren't mentioning that for reasons... Uh, I, I can see a bit of influence of that even in the the new Mania Plus on, Encore special spa- stages. I think. <laughs> yeah. For the uh, pinball. You mean for? Oh yeah. Yeah. With uh, I'm see- seeing the spinball influence. I mean. I uh, I'm not real sure that there was much of a spinball influence unless you mean some of the backgrounds. Yeah, that's what because, I was thinking. Yeah. Yeah, because I know that. Um, uh, Tom, Tom designed uh, most of the backgrounds, at least, and um, I know he was trying to take influence from other uh, other games from the Genesis. Oh, sweet! Because like I saw that, and, like there's this one thing in particular where like the items are scrolling, and like uh, I know it's a really nerdy ass thing to notice, but <laughs> <laughs> there's this thing in Spinball. Remember what I had like scra- scratch and ground, or kind of running along the background in a similar way that. Oh. Uh... Are, are you talking about the one where uh, there was a whole bunch of Scratch uh, walking around uh, an egg prison sort of thing? You have to knock him away to yeah. uh, be able to open it up? Okay. Yeah. yeah. So I guess going back, so you you were heavily involved in this back late 90s. Uh, and first, like, Metrics was started in 95 and you came on 97. So how did how did you find out about that project and come on to, to work on that one? 
Uh, well, once the other once the other game fell apart, I was still trying to do I was still trying to do something on my own. I was uh, still putting together some little little uh, demos and stuff that uh, uh, there was several of them that never actually got published or anything. But um, Ron, who was uh, who was creating uh, what was uh, Sonic Matrix, it was uh, called Sonic and the Seven Rings at the time, and uh, he came he came to me because he figured that he needed a um, he needed a programmer to help him work on the game, and he thought that because he liked what I was doing in uh, C with uh, the stuff with the uh, demos that I had put out, that uh, it would be beneficial to get me to take that and uh, and uh, use it to create a new version of Sonic and the Seven Rings. And it was shortly after that that I don't remember why that we that we did change the name to Project Metrics. And that was mainly just, I guess, Robotnik's weapon of the week for that one. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, I guess going into metrics itself, like, can you just give a quick summary for the viewers at home of uh, what the game itself is? And uh, I guess both the DOS version and then also the incredible EO2 versions. Uh, well, what exists of it so far, there are... Out of out of all of the demos that exist so far, there are let's see, there is Shining Island Zone, uh, basic uh, first level. Um, there's Guardian Castle Zone, which is um, actually Knuckles's first zone since he starts he starts his campaign um, on it at a different place. And uh, then there's uh, Bronze Lake Zone, which was finally created uh, by the time we started using EO2 for it. Um, I tried to create a 3D special stage for it. I'm not sure if I ever showed that off. It wasn't very complicated or anything. It was just like really basic early 90s wireframe 3D stuff. Mm -hmm. I mean, still incredible though, because like, I guess the closest thing to that is like what the, the, the CD special stages? After talking uh, to Genesis games? Maybe, yeah. It's like It's like sort of a similar perspective, but accomplished in a different way. Oh, nice. And so, Metrics itself, uh, it was in DOS for most of development. Uh, and then the final version of that was mostly complete, uh, the final DOS release? Um, I wouldn't really say mostly complete. I tried to, uh, I tried to tie up a, enough, enough loose ends in it when I released it that way because when I, when I did release the final DOS version, I knew that, one, I was moving to Windows, and two, I was going to uh, rewrite the engine because of some issues I was having with the earlier one, which is uh, what led directly into EO2. Nice. Uh, and that was in DOS for most of its life. Like, wh when w that final DOS release was, what, 07, 08? Um, I'm not really sure, actually. Uh... There was, for a while, I was trying to uh, keep up uh, EO2 in DOS also, but uh, eventually um, the feature set just grew beyond that, so I kind of left it behind. Right. Uh, but I then guess going into there, before we go back and talk about another of your major projects that everyone uh, asked about, could you go into EO2 itself? Because, like, for, for those who are unfamiliar, there's now... a demo version of metrics it's playable on pc uh it's on mac and linux as well i believe but then perhaps most like this is the most mind-blowing thing for me and what inspired the piece playable on the wii and psp as well and i, I believe you said like 
There's even an attempt at a DS version as well. Uh, not 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 for the DS. That was um, um. You you might be thinking of the uh, time that I ported my um, Game Boy Advance uh, Sonic port over to the DS. That's what it is. Wait. Yeah. Oh no, I was thinking of something else. I didn't know you ported that one to the DS. Oh, yeah. You see, a lot of great projects as well. Uh, pop, I guess, but what, what was the inspiration on EO2 before we go back and talk about some of your other incredible projects? Uh, well, I had wanted to create um, uh, basically a multi-platform uh, game engine that uh, could be could be used by anyone uh, for a while. And um, I started... I, I tried like very early on, way uh, in the late '90s, and all I got as far was um, I only got as far as making sort of a really really basic interface, just just the visuals, not even an implementation. And I realized I don't know how to do this, <laughs> and so that that kind of uh, that kind of went off to the side until uh, later when I was. Uh, working on project metrics and one of the things that I did with the engine was I implemented a scripting system where you could create your own uh, you could create your own titles cards title screens stuff like that and uh, that was that was just basically for once I had um, separated some of the data from the main program and made it possible to edit and make uh, make your own game packages with it so it would still be it would still be like a Sonic game, and uh, you could only use what was programmed into into uh, Project Metrics, but uh, you could you could dress it up, add new levels, uh, change the HUD, change the title screen, stuff like that. And uh, by the time by the time I found out that uh, there were some uh, problems buried deep within uh, the original engine, um, and I decided to make. I decided to uh, make a new one from, from uh, mostly scratch uh, that became EO2, and I took the uh, script system that I used for for the title cards, title screens, and stuff like that, and just expanded it so that um, you could control more stuff like um, like game flow and things. And then from there, I built I I took the uh, built-in sonic functionality that i did and piece by piece i i took it out and and replaced it with stuff that was uh implemented through the script system until it got to the point where i have a basic uh, player implementation that you can basically use the scripts to turn into anything wow and and as i said it's incredible because not only does the game run on all these platforms but like it runs very smoothly on all of them as well, which is, I mean, I know it's a Sonic game, right? You know, 16 bins, but you know, it, it plays, you know, on all these different platforms, just as you'd expect Sonic, uh, little to no slowdown or sprite flickering or anything of that sort. Yeah, I, I've, uh, I've tried like real hard from the beginning to uh, get it just right. like. The earlier project metric stuff, some of that's pretty, uh, pretty messy still. Yeah. But uh, it still like got high praise at the time for being basically the most accurate that had been attempted so far. But it still had a way to go. <laughs> no, for sure. But speaking of things that had a way to go, uh, one of probably your famous, rather most infamous projects was after Sonic Genesis, which uh, 
came out, which uh, what many people know, Sonic 06 was released as an, a 15th anniversary game for Sonic. But as well, we got Sonic Genesis, which was a port of Sonic 1 to the Game Boy Advance. Uh, and it was just a broken, unplayable mess, essentially. So, um, you took it upon yourself to make a demo version of Sonic 1 for the Game Boy Advance that was literally pretty much just as playable as the original game, but also has the spin dash in it as well, and, like, the, the extra stuff they tried and failed miserably to do with Genesis. So, like, wh wh what led to that? Uh, okay. Sort of, uh, I've been watching, I've been watching development, uh, for a while and was interested in it and uh, as it got closer to release time uh, more of the material that they released kind of demonstrated more the um, the kind of quality that it actually turned out to be mm -hmm. and um, on top of that there were some strange rumors going around with people saying stuff like uh, well it, it it's it's that way because Sonic can't be done on the Game Boy Advance and stuff like that even though we got and, like three different sonic advance games yeah and that's 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 another that's another weird thing there's another rumor going around that um that they that they built it off of the sonic advance engine and because of that then there's some reason that the assets didn't work with it and that's why it's so funky i mm -hmm. i don't i i don't even know where they get that idea really <laughs> but um hmm <laughs> Well, actually, actually, if you want to know where it came from, they um, there was uh, like I think in 2005 or something when uh, Java phones were popular in Japan, mm -hmm. uh, there was there was a version of Sonic One and a version of Sonic Two that they created for that, and uh, I had a chance to uh, I had a chance to try it out a little while ago, and uh, if you like just really look at it carefully, if you played that one, you take a good look at it, and then you play Sonic Genesis, you take a good look at it, it's the same thing. So it was just... So it was literally yeah. a straight port. <laughs> yeah. So it was like they rewrote it in Java for those phones, mm -hmm. and then and then uh, they took the phone version and uh, kind of, I assume, I assume uh, took it from Java to C, which isn't that big of a stretch, mm -hmm. and then just uh, just use that. You know, that actually explains a lot, because I remember around a time, that's right when they closed out the last of the... It was still EB Games in Texas until, like, around that time, and that's when they all became GameStops. And uh, I picked up... I remember reading a random Game Informer back in the day, because, yeah, I read that, and... Uh, <laughs> What one of the criticisms of Sonic Genesis? I think it was Game Informer. Was like, oh, this music sounds like it's coming out of a tinny mobile phone. I'm like, oh, well, <laughs> that well, that explains it perfectly now. Yeah, it's it's um it's the MIDI files that they used with the uh, mobile version. Like that that explains everything. <laughs> um, so was it just an overall poor quality that inspired you to make your version? Not even a year later. Uh, sort of. It was kind of, uh, kind of the, those weird rumors too about not being able to do it on the Game Boy Advance. Mm -hmm. I'm like, I know, I know that the Game Boy Advance can, uh, can, uh, I know what it can do. I hadn't done anything with it yet, but uh, I also, I also knew uh, of the games that were on it, and I knew uh, basically what the specs were, and it definitely outclasses the Genesis. Mm -hmm. But uh, it was 32 bit, yeah. 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 Uh, mostly, mostly, uh, 
it would be the um, the graphics capabilities and the uh, the processor speed though, mm-hmm. and um, so I decided I decided well that sounds like a fun project I'll just try it myself. Right, and as I said, it plays well. Like if everyone, if no one's tried to game out, I mean, you 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 can still download from Sonic Retro, I think, if everyone wants to try it because it's, I mean, it, it's Sonic, it's a, it's just Green Hill Zone, but like you have to spin dash. It, it's a great board to yeah. game. It can't, you know, it's a brilliant demo. Yeah, uh, using the L and R buttons, you can get Tails and Knuckles also. Oh, I did not know that. You see, so it's even more feature filled. Then the game they made, and it runs perfectly. But I guess probably the most impressive project, and the one that most people seem to know of, but one that I guess as time goes on, people don't realize that you actually were involved with was uh, Sonic Megamix, uh, which uh, is one of the most impressive hacks I've seen in a while, just especially for all the, the cool, weird technical stuff it does. So, like... Uh, like, uh, you know, you, you just, it's not a, like the most recent version, which was what, 2015 wasn't even on the Genesis anymore. It was on the Sega CD or I guess it was on the CD since version four, but you know, like, yeah. And it has five different playable characters. And so how did you come on to Megamix? Because I know that was another one that you came on to and then eventually became project lead. And, uh, towards the end, you were actually the, the only one working on it actually. Yeah. So, uh. That started out with um, another person. Um, not not really sure if you want me to mention his name on here. Like, no, I, I know the controversy about him. So, uh, yeah, we won't go into him. Okay, so yeah, he start he started out making it, and um, at the time, it was basically a um, really basic level level hack. Um, uh, color palette changing. Um, I think the big thing that he wanted to show off was that uh, the music was changed and and some of it was edited because uh, that was that was one of his things was uh, doing uh, music edits for for those games, and uh, that's why I came to him originally because I was working on um, I was working on my uh, port of Sonic One and Sonic Two to the Sega CD at the time, and I wanted to create a uh, sort of hub world. Thing for you to be able to access uh, which one you want to play, and uh, I wanted to use the music from Chaotix called Walkin. It's one of the ones that plays uh, in 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 their hub world. And also, just side note, uh, I use it in like every other video at the beginning. <laughs> <laughs> just a, a little uh, fun fact, but go on. <laughs> so, um, I hadn't done anything with the. Uh, I hadn't done very much with the music at the time, and I knew that he was already just like into that and and able to just whip stuff up like that. So I asked him if he would um, make a version of that that would work in the Sonic One sound driver for me, and uh, I told him that uh, in return that I would work on uh, some bits that he wanted for uh, Sonic Mega Mix. Like uh, one of the things that he wanted was to add the homing attack for Sonic. So I'm like, okay, I'll, I'll put in the homing attack. Mm-hmm. And um, once once I did that, then we just continued to work together on it. And um, uh, I, I became I, I suddenly er, I had a little bit more say in uh, what was how it was developed and stuff over time. Mm-hmm. And um, 
eventually we decided to uh, build a build a bigger team because we decided we wanted to do more with it. So uh, with me and him as founders, we brought on a few other people. Uh, there was I hope I don't forget anybody. There was um, Aqua Slash, J Man, uh, Marky Jester, Mark M A R C Mark. Um, Rob Joe did Rob, Rob Joe did the levels. Nice. Yeah. And then eventually, like even go on, like I know uh, Layla Wilson, who I uh, previously interviewed on a podcast and the iCard. Uh, if you're watching on YouTube. And also did Freedom Planet, did a lot of the music that was found in the the CD, the later CD versions. Yeah, I she did like at least half of the music that we have there, I think. Mm-hmm. And then, like, uh, oh, go on. Oh, I was just going to point out the uh, boss music in particular is one that I like that she did. Yeah, that that's the one that I first I remember hearing because I remember you. I think it was in the the not canceled trailer you posted that it was showcased in. I'm not sure, actually. It's been a while. Yeah, that's one trailer that actually sticks out because the, one of the last trailers before it was canceled was a trailer called Not Canceled. Yeah, there was a, one called Never Canceled that um, I basically titled it that because of the uh, rampant speculation that it had been canceled and some drama of sorts and stuff that was going on within the community due to the idea that it was canceled and so i would just wanted to finally dispel that so that um some of that would sort of die down and i put up uh i put up the video that i called never canceled because over time people had kept insisting that it was canceled it was canceled and like it was several different instances of having been canceled but the, the the entire time none of those none of those instances were true it had never actually been canceled so i guess so you came on oh four uh, so yeah and then from there we got the final genesis version which uh i guess going into that final genesis version would you say that there's like a word that in itself could be called the complete game in a, in a sense uh it's sort of complete like the earlier versions the the earlier versions that were numbered like uh, 1.0 2.0 and 3.0 they were made uh such that they could be considered complete Mm -hmm. and then there's a um there's another version that was after three that uh got leaked and um it's sort of on the way to what became four but it's it's also not in a complete state it wasn't meant to be uh released either and i guess one of the most controversial things about megamix is have you seen the bootleg cartridges ma- made that are sold in the black market of uh, uh, various yeah. genesis versions of megamix like how did how did you feel when you found out about those and when did you discover those um i'd say that i think i found out about them Sometime around 2008, 2009, maybe. Mm-hmm. Not really sure. I wasn't very happy, really. <laughs> I, because if I remember, and starting 4.0, which was the first Sega CD version of Megamix, which you know, blew my mind as well. It's like, whoa, a Sonic <laughs> fan game, but it's not technically on the Genesis, technically. 
But, uh, or I guess Sonic ROM hack, but, uh, I, I remember that you start, there started to be like a, a thing at the beginning that said that, you know, this game is meant to be played for free and should not be bought under any circumstances. Yeah. Yeah. Was that what prompted yeah. that? Yeah, pretty much. Mm-hmm. Well, sort of that. And, um, there's, there's this other thing that's like, uh, Pro, uh, produced or licensed by Sega, it's part of the BIOS. It always comes up before everything. And um, from what I read, there's like, uh, have you heard about the uh, Sega versus Accolade um, trial thing? Uh, I haven't. Uh, so if you go into detail on that briefly. Okay, so back in uh, back in the Genesis days, uh, and well, this is something that sort of reaches back to the NES too. Like people would want to create their own create their own games that they would release on a platform like the NES or the Genesis and so like with Tenjin. Com- yeah and so the companies who made the hardware would want to um would want to have that have the ability to use the hardware licensed out to the people who would do it because they basically wanted a, they wanted a quality product so they wanted to be able to exert some form of quality control over the games that were released on their product which that makes sense because yeah. why why would you want somebody making your product look bad? Yeah, and you know even for all the bad games that were on the NES, like if you take a look at something unlicensed like Action Fifty Two, where some of the games on there literally will not boot. Yeah. <laughs> Alfred and the Fedic, my absolute favorite. But uh, <laughs> continue. So, sometime in the nineties, uh, Accolade was trying to put something on on the uh, Genesis, and uh, they had found a way. They had found a way to do it because. One of the things that Sega did to prevent people from doing that was they created the TMSS trademark security system, which uh, started shipping with newer ber- newer versions of the Model 1 Mega Drive and all Model 2s and, and forward from there. And what it would do is it would check for a certain – it would check for a certain thing written in written – within the cartridge at a certain place. And if it wasn't there, it wouldn't allow it to boot up. And uh, what it was looking for was the string Sega. And the, the, the reasoning behind them using it like that was Sega is a trademarked word, and therefore nobody else can use it without violating their trademark. And when it, uh, when, when it came time for Accolade to try and fight to keep theirs on there, uh, Sega had found out that's what they'd done, and they took them to court over the trademark infringement. And ultimately, the court ruled that if a computer hardware exists, somebody, anybody should be able to make uh, software for it. And therefore, if the only way to make software for the Genesis was to store the Sega trademark at that location on the cartridge, then it was legal for them to do so. Oh, wow. So, and I guess, so Megamix took uh, advantage of a similar thing at that point? Uh, not exactly. It uses, um, uh, uses boot security code from, uh, Sonic CD. Mm-hmm. And, uh, but the BIOS, uh, the BIOS is sort of, uh, a thing, a thing that came from, um, that same sort of uh, thinking, where if they make it say, if they make it say that it was produced or licensed by Sega, and then somebody puts something on there that's not that makes it untrue, and then throws it 
into some kind of legal question or something. So basically, I just went uh, went that direction with it. I put the message on. I put the message on there. Uh, this, uh, regardless of what the previous screen says, this was not produced or licensed by Sega, and that is a necessary part of the boot process that I cannot remove. But just letting you know. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> just in case you actually bought this on cart, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> now, I guess going to one more, I guess, controversial game question before we get on to, uh, you know, talking about the CD versions a bit. What, what What's your thoughts, not on the bootleg cartridges, but on like the, the fan-made reproduction cartridges or say people playing on, or even people playing on EverDrives, like... Is there a difference between fan-made repros or? Uh, well, what bothered me about it was just like the amount of work that we that we had put into it, and then my first thought was, somebody's trying to make money on us, and yeah. like, <laughs> we, yeah, we aren't getting paid for this. Yeah, and we we weren't getting paid for it. We can't get paid for it. Mm-hmm. So that that was that was a little bit upsetting. Um, I found another person who was doing who was uh, doing that on Etsy recently. That was uh, selling uh, repro cartridges like that, and nice enough guy. I can I had convinced him to actually to actually give me a copy of the games that I had created that he put on the cartridge, and uh, I have I have those sitting in the other room right now. But like with those, like so with that that situation, like you're fine with it as long as they're nice about it, I guess. Or I. There. I would prefer they not, yeah, but... At least you have them? <laughs> yeah, at least I have some now. I, yeah. I, got, I got something out of it, as, as, as minor as it may be. <laughs> yeah, no, for sure. But, like, it, but on the flip side, like, it's fine if someone just gets, like, a, was an SD to Genesis or an, a Genesis EverDrive and just plays them, like, that's fine. Oh, that's just, yeah, that's just playing, that's just playing the game on uh, what you got. You get the, uh, you get the ROM if you have that hardware you can play it on the real hardware um that's one of the reasons that i ported the game to the uh to the sega cd was that it it's just so easy to make uh, bootable and playable sega cd games so for anybody who actually had a sega cd they wouldn't need any third-party hardware to play the game they just have to burn a disc because there, there's essentially no copy protection because like when the cd came out cds were such a you know, they they weren't as cheap and easy, and it's easy to buy as they were nowadays. So you know, they yeah. they just kind of assumed that'd be the copy protection. By the time it was broken, they'd have moved on. Yeah. So I guess going into the CD version, uh, was it your work on Sonic One and Two CD that made you decide to port Megamix? Uh, pretty much. Yeah, there was um. There was a particular direction I was going with uh, Sonic 1 and 2 that I was porting over, and um, things kind of got a little odd with that in the uh, in the community. There was there were some uh, unexpected things that 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 came up, and uh, well, I can be a little specific about that. Yeah. Technically, technically, nobody was supposed to know that I was working on this. And the reason for that was that I just wanted to finish it. I, I wanted to finish it and get it prepared and then have it out there for everybody. And somebody that I was working on another project with at the time, he um, – I think he was just kind of spiteful about about uh, my ability. 
mm-hmm. and um, when somebody mentioned even the prospect of the of of a port of Sonic One to the um, the um, Sega CD, he he snapped at him in public and said something about me already doing it. Oh wow! Yeah, and then I tried to keep it quiet, and there started a lot of drama about why I wasn't releasing it or something already, even though I wasn't finished Mm -hmm. and how I was hoarding it and keeping it to myself, even though my ultimate goal was to release the source for everybody. Yeah. Well, and I've noticed that as a trend with your works because you're very much so the mindset of if I'm going to release something, no patches, no updates, it needs to be playable as soon as it's out there. Uh, Well, I like to um, I like to have my work finished. I like to have it polished at least, mm-hmm. and that's that's what I wanted to do. It was it was a project that um, like somebody somebody counted this as a negative uh, against me too when when they said when they said so. But it was the fact that I wanted to do the project myself because it was just it was something that I wanted to do, something that I wanted to be able to accomplish, right. and. Yeah, so I wanted to get it to a point where it was actually usable, and then just uh, let let everybody have it. But uh, things went pretty downhill. Yeah, and I got angry, and I just released it. I released a binary the way it was. I said, I said, um, here, this is what I did. I wasn't just talking. Sh- <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Oh, it's fine. Swear, swear, swearing's fine. I'll censor it in post. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So here's here's what I did. I'm not I'm not talking shit, or rather rather other people aren't saying things that are causing me to say things that ultimately are me talking shit. I was actually doing this. This I actually accomplished this. Here it is. And um, so that's that's where it ended for a while. And around 2009 or so. Uh, after we had gotten a few more people on the project with Megamix, um, I had just decided, you know, I have this thing that I'm not doing anything with. Uh, why don't I use it for this project? And I decided that I was going to surprise the rest of the team uh, by um, by porting it over to the Sega CD myself as sort of a Christmas present. And uh, it, that that pretty much worked out because I was able to get it. I was able to get enough of it finished at the time, and um, I sort of used the uh, one and two as a template. But it was it was more like it was more like it's something that's already done, and I can see what I did and how it can be done. But I also sort of redid it from scratch. Mm-hmm. So I guess that led to four point uh, but then. The only release we got, because at, after that, y'all pretty much just overhauled the game completely. New graphics, of course, the original soundtrack. Um, and then eventually we got 5.0, but that was actually a leaked version, which uh, happened with a server hack and whatnot. So I mentioned that in the, the mini documentary-style video I did on my uh, main channel over a year ago. Uh, so what was exactly the full story behind that, which happened with that? Uh, well, one of our members had um, made some uh, made some changes to it that he wanted to show us that he didn't want to put on our repo that we were using to um, 
for uh, source control and to uh, work on the project together. And um, he just wanted to show us that. And then he put it on his personal um, his personal FTP area on a particular server, which several of us were, in fact, using for, uh, for ourselves, for other stuff. And um, somebody had found out that there was an exploit for the server software that was running on there that would allow them to get uh, root access to people's uh, folders. And he just happened across one day, um, as he was looking through various people's folders, he found uh, that build. And Was a guy within the Sonic community or just kind of a general troll or just kind of a guy who wanted to snoop on people? Or... Uh, I really don't know the person well. Um, it's somebody that I think stuck with the uh, stuck with the community. Um, may have been may have been a troll at the time. I yeah, I don't really know that. That was my first ever experience with that person. Oh, weird way to encounter someone. Yeah, yeah. It's like, hey, you you kind of stole a thing we were working on. Uh, was that kind of general reaction though when it got leaked out there? Um, you mean by the uh, by the team or yeah the public just, just or just, what was the team's reaction when that build got leaked? Uh, I was very upset personally. Um, the rest of the team they weren't they weren't too happy about it, but uh, I'm not sure if it bothered them as much as it did me. But it's just it was deep deep into development very very rough a lot of stuff missing yet at the same time if you play it you wouldn't really get a lot of surprises out of the final and like why would why would why would you like why would you play a horribly incomplete broken version when uh, yeah. you wait just a little bit longer and get the um, get the complete one and see everything as it's meant to be for sure, because I remember playing that version. Don't get me wrong, what y'all had accomplished there is phenomenally impressive. Like, there's a CD-style special stages, which, uh, as you confirmed, just coincidentally reminded me of the Mania special stages as well. Because, uh, you know, it's less you attacking UFOs and more you chasing them. Yeah, uh, the UFOs in that case are more for... Um... Yeah, I think that I use those for time extension in that in that version uh basically the goal of the uh that special stage was to collect a certain number of rings mm -hmm. uh but like i remember like some characters like the special stage would crash the game and some zones were ready so how far like did that leak delay the project a bit uh i don't i don't think that it I don't think it really did significantly. It just kind of uh, uh, just tripped us up a little bit, kind of messed with morale a little bit. For sure. Though it did end up being the last release because you fish because th this game started what oh three. You came on oh four, ported to CD about oh eight oh nine, and then officially canceled in twenty sixteen. Mm -hmm. uh, and what essentially led up to the cancellation? Uh, oh, the ultimate like actual cancellation sort of came on due to the, uh, the team sort of like 
drifted apart a little bit. Like some of the team still stayed in contact. We still hung out in our um, our chat about the the game too, but um, more and more other projects would start coming up. Uh, life stuff would start coming up. Uh, we just uh, wouldn't have anything to say or not have any progress on the um, on the uh, game being made. Mm-hmm. And I tried to kick it off a few times myself. Like it seemed. It seemed to be something that that sort of worked. Like if I was able to get a significant amount of work into the game and show it to everybody else, then they get they get a little bit motivated and start uh, chugging out a little bit of stuff. But uh, more and more, I'd have uh, other stuff that I needed to do. Um, that uh, that just like left left me with uh, periods of uh, downtime on the game in particular, and. Like I can't really get on I can't really get on the rest of the team about uh, whether they're doing or not doing something if if I'm not doing it regardless of why I'm not doing it. Right. And uh, so it just kind of fizzled out more toward the end. And yeah, I I just wanted to go ahead and have it known that the game that the game uh, wasn't going to be continued. Uh, one of the things that I wanted to do was get that information out of the way before Sonic Mania was announced, because it's sort of like a bad news, good news thing. Out of curiosity, you mentioned, I remember analyzing that post, you know, going to my uh, pseudo game theorist mode and of the, <laughs> that where you're like, like, you know, you mentioned side one, the reason of your, you personally canceling it due to a, uh, a, pro- a major project you were working on at the time. By the time you'd canceled, even though it wasn't announced yet, had work on Mania already begun? Not, um, not official work on the um, actual project, mm-hmm. but um, it was it was known that it was known that that's where we were headed, which was one of the reasons I was comfortable with going ahead and announcing the cancellation. Was that um, I knew that I knew that this was coming up, and I knew that. Um, it would, I don't know, be light at the end of the tunnel in this. Yeah. 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 Because with that, because it was it was April 16 that Mega Mix was canceled, but then July 16 that Mania was announced to uh, pretty pretty much you know a fan base that that often gets shown such a negative light just reacted to to say the least phenomenally like everyone. I, I remember going into local game stores and them just kind of playing uh, the best, cleanest rips of the Studioopolis music they could find. <laughs> yeah. Oh, um, yeah. Back on an earlier topic, um, you were talking about uh, Layla doing uh, most of the music. Uh, there was, there were at least two other people that that did some of the music, and um, uh, City Outskirts, uh, City Outskirts in particular, was uh, somebody named uh, Gecko Yamori. Oh, sounds familiar. Yeah, he had um, he had a YouTube channel for a while. I'm not sure what happened to him at this point. Uh, and then uh, who who's the other one you were thinking of? Or uh, oh, Mark, um, uh, Mark Gordon. Yeah, calls himself Sinosu. Oh, cool. So Mega Mix was going to be huge. I guess kind of going to workflow because. During a lot of this, there was a lot of overlap because you're working on metrics, you're working on Megamix, 
You, and then there's some overlap as well of other projects such as your Sonic 1 GBA and later DS port. Uh, and then of course later on there are the mobile ports you help, you uh, worked on of Sonic 1 and 2 officially by Sega. Which two other games everyone should check out by the way. It, people give me the weirdest look when I say the mobile version of Sonic 2 is the best version. But it is. It has Hidden Palace Zone in it. Um... But how many projects, along with your own personal projects that you're working on, or work projects, were, were you working on Max at once during all this? Uh, during the time I was working on things with Sega? Uh, not just with Sega, but like while you were working on both Megamix and Metrics and even like uh, your other fan projects. Oh, okay. Uh, well, uh, as far as the time that I would work with Sega goes, that then uh, those are sort of those are sort of an exclusive thing. So. And and you know they're they're time critical and stuff. So you'd work just basically on that. Like I wouldn't really have anything to do with anything else except maybe a conversation here or there or something. But um, they wouldn't the they wouldn't really be something that I was doing uh, during my time with Sega. But outside of that, like what what was the max number of uh, projects you were ever working at once during during. Uh just during your entire time in the fan community? Uh, well, if you consider uh, them being in progress all at once, let's see. Uh, let's see, Project Metrics uh, get, get got to the point where I did uh, started developing EO2, which has become Headcanon Game Engine. Uh, that, that's a project unto itself. Uh, and then... At one point, I was uh, working with my wife on a, um, a Mega Man fan game. Oh, was that Triple Threat? Yeah. Oh, I didn't. Know. Oh, I, I, I was. So that's why that one runs on the O2. Yeah. Oh, cool. And um, let's see what else. Uh, there was Soned, uh, Soned, uh, which was Soned Two at the time. Um, and. So I was working on all of those. I was working on all of those when it came around to 2005, when I did um, Knuckles and Sonic One. So that would be yeah, that would be five simultaneous projects at that point. Uh, Knuckles and Sonic One was done by the time I did the um, Sonic One and Two to CD thing, and that was done when I went and did the uh ds versions of sonic 1 2 3 and cd out of uh, curiosity what led to you making the ds versions of all of them was it uh was that around the same time that sega did their own ports a uh, sort of yeah like one one uh, the first first thing was um when christian had um come to me for help about uh putting together a pitch demo for cd uh, while I was reverse engineering uh, some of the stuff that uh, that he needed to uh, remake and putting together like pseudocode and stuff for him to read, um, I was also rebuilding it myself. And I had just I just decided to go ahead and uh, try and rebuild it myself using the uh, Game Boy Advance DS engine, uh, so that I could make sure that I was understanding it correctly and see it working. And as that came together, I just uh, decided to add on more to it and i knew that uh the method that he was using to bring sonic cd to mobile which would um would work 
like so the reason that the reason that it was necessary to even do this was that uh, mobile phones weren't powerful enough at the time to emulate the Sega CD because uh, for one for one thing with the Sega CD you've got the Genesis and the Sega CD two uh, two processors that you have to emulate simultaneously and that gets kind of complicated mm-hmm. and um, that was just something Sega wouldn't be able to do without uh, rewriting Sonic CD more natively for the hardware which is uh, sort of what he was doing with the retro engine as uh, as his interpreter that ran natively and uh, and uh, Sonic CD written in that. And I knew that that wouldn't work on um, the DS with it being uh, much much lower spec. So it wouldn't be able to run an interpreter and it would need the game to run directly on uh, natively on the system. So I started to put together the first part of Sonic CD for that at the same time that Christian was doing uh, his version of Sonic CD. And I was hoping that I could get that taken up as another project to release the game on the DS at the same time. Nice. And how, how, how playable was the DS version around the time uh, that you were just, that you uh, made the pitch? Uh, I never got to make the pitch actually. Oh, but, but, I guess when you stopped working on that one, then how uh, far along was it? There was the um, the entire the entirety of Palm Tree Panic, all of the all of, all the levels, all the time zones, uh, time time swapping was fully functional. All the basic Sonic stuff, um, all the objects, enemies, bosses, and uh, there was also the special stage, uh, fully fully complete. Nice. Uh- and uh, Alcaris on the special stage was it more akin to the original version, or was it a lot smoother, uh, like in the, the iOS uh, 360 Steam port? It was smooth. Smooth. Mm-hmm. Completely rebuilt. Yeah. It's. I said blows my mind when I find out about stuff like that, right? <laughs> <laughs> Especially on the DS. Like the DS, I know is like it's like in between an N64 and a GameCube in, in power, but like no, still though. Yeah. Yeah. Then again, I saw Sega's own own ports on there, which were decent, but also a little iffy. So as far as those go, um, they had they had announced that they were working on uh, uh, I forget what they call it. Was it just called Sonic the Hedgehog Collection? I think it was called like the Sonic Genesis Classics Collection or something like that. Yeah. Uh, well, they had they had just announced that they were working on it, and I knew that a lot of the stuff that they that they were doing regarding older games like that was emulation. And I um, I'm like, well, I have this. I have the Sonic one that I did on the DS, which I ported to, or on the Game Boy Advance, which I ported to the DS, because the the DS actually runs on a lot of the Game Boy Advance's actual hardware, so a lot of stuff is uh, directly compatible. Mm-hmm. And um, like. Well, if I can if I can uh, take this to them, and uh, and they like that, then we can get something that um, runs better than an emulation, is more featured than an emulation, all that. And uh, so I built well, Sonic One. Uh, the amount of Sonic One that I had was pretty much complete. So I added to that Sonic Two and Sonic Three. In both cases, the the first zone in full special stage. Oh, cool! And um, I meant to show that to them. I got the name of somebody to show it to, but I think that I sent him the mail, the the email that I had sent him like 
at the at the beginning of his Christmas break or something. Oh no! And then and then yeah, and then by the time uh, anything could be done about that, he had um, switched positions within the company, so he wasn't even relevant for for this anymore. So I lost out on that. <laughs> uh, but you know, an idea of what could have been though, and it sounds out of curiosity, are there playable versions of those floating around there, or can they just not be released? Or uh... oh, I, I released those a while ago. They're they're on my website actually. Oh, cool. Yeah, I've got uh, see, I've got the uh, main headcanon site, and then I have a sub site for uh, other projects that aren't that are like not associated with the company. Uh, mostly, mostly a bunch of fan projects. And then I, I guess just kind of going from there, you know, before we end off, we've been going over an hour now. Uh, what's what what projects can we expect in the future that you can talk about? Well. Um, I am working on something right now that um, I'm trying to I'm, I'm trying to uh, pitch that I don't know I don't know if it will work out like there's there's some um, there's a little bit of good push behind it already but I don't know if it will work out but uh, it's not really something I can talk about right now but uh, I'm sure the question is is it something sonic no <laughs> nah <laughs> no nah, it's not sonic this time Um there are some other projects that uh, I'm working on just as specific headcanon projects with uh, with another group of people. Um, see, there's one that I created for. Um, it was I think it was 2013. Uh, do you know the uh, Game Jam Ludum Dare? Yes, yes, I do. Yeah. Okay. So, uh, me and my wife created some uh, game that we called uh, Fantastic Franklin for the one in 2013. And um, we're planning to turn that into a, a fully a fully fledged uh, game with uh, with actually with a with a level editor too. And um, cause I like I like level editors. A lot of my stuff's probably going to have it if they can. <laughs> no, for sure. I love that. I love that stuff. Uh, Mega Man powered up. Uh, Mario Maker. Yeah. Love that type of stuff. So there's that one, which is kind of a puzzle platformer. And then uh, next one up is. A game that uh, it went through several names. Uh, the last name that we've the last name that we've had that stuck with it was uh, Vertebreaker. It's sort of a um, sort of uh, Castlevania sort of thing. A little bit of a homage, a little bit of a parody. Uh, with the main protagonist is a skeleton. It has a has a whip made of uh, made of a backbone. Oh. It reminds me a bit of I'm not sure if you ever played like Mr. Bones on the Saturn, but I'm getting a little bit of that vibe. Uh, possibly. I I haven't actually seen that one. It's uh, it's weird. You're you're like a skeleton who plays guitar and is fighting <laughs> other skeletons. I guess it's completely different, except for the fact it's a, st- a skeleton. <laughs> <laughs> so the like. Uh, one of the main things about that 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 uh, we're hoping to be able to accomplish with it is that um, the uh, whip actually functions as a grappling hook too. So there's like some uh, swinging elements to it. And, oh sweet! Uh, supposed talking, to be. Are you talking like kind of a bionic commando style thing? Sort of. Like yeah, you like latch onto the latch onto the ceiling, uh, swing over, swing over gaps, uh, swing around and onto platforms, stuff like that. Sweet. And then uh, any other projects? Uh, there's the other one that I think we're going to. Um, 
other than other than what I'm doing right now, I think that the first one of these three is uh, going to be the one that we have called Flamingo. Uh, started out with a concept like um, sort of like Ninja Gaiden. Mm-hmm. So basically, uh, you're playing this uh, female thief with uh, sort of ninja type moves, who's uh, breaking into places, taking stuff. Oh, sweet! And then. Um, and then, uh, I guess these are, I so I'm not even going to ask on dates on them because I know that's always subject to change in gaming, but coming. Uh, yeah, they're, that, that, we can be... just say they're coming. Yeah. <laughs> I said, I'm not going to ask on dates because I know everything, you know, can change in, in an instant during that, during development. Yeah. It's, it's like really going to depend on, um, how long this, how long this one takes, um, then how how long that takes to do, to actually develop itself? Um, and then uh, someone actually from my Discord asked me to ask you about this uh, before, I guess before we wrap up, or he pretty much just wants me to ask everyone about this. Thoughts on Rystar? I have fun with Rystar. Yeah, it's a good. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I um, I've had uh, we, well, we've had. Like a lot of uh, a lot of uh, comments about, are we going to remaster Rystar? Mm-hmm. And it's a uh, it's it's a nice idea, but like I couldn't I couldn't say if anything like that was ha- going to happen. So mm-hmm. it's like it like wouldn't really be a question that I could answer other than I like Rystar. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you you like it, and that's yeah. all you're going to say. So I guess with that. With that uh, thing to, to get everyone thinking, uh, where can everyone find your, your stuff? Of course, you're on Twitter, uh, and then there's your, your own website. Uh, so just, I guess, plug all that. Okay. Uh, yeah, my Twitter, uh, uh, my personal Twitter is at HCStealth. And um, I, have a, I have a more business-oriented uh, Twitter, just uh, head underscore canon. Like, the, the actual full name was already taken. <laughs> oh. Yeah. And uh, that's the one where that's the one where I just post more about uh, finished projects, stuff related to the company, and stuff like that. And yeah, if you want to keep up with me and everything else, then that would be the HC Stealth one. And uh, the website is uh, www.headcanon.com. Sweet. So that thank you very much for coming along, Simon. Uh, any any final thoughts or just thoughts on the Sonic community before we end off? Hmm. Uh, well. Uh, I know say I know that Sage is coming up, and I haven't have I haven't uh, really been able to uh, look at stuff that uh, was done there in the last couple of years or so. People uh, seem to be excited about. Well, you you may or may not know that I was uh, recently asking if anybody would be interested in me doing like let's plays or streams or stuff, mm-hmm. and uh, several people are excited about me um, playing some games from uh, Sage. And this will be the first year that I actually get to do that in a while, and I'm kind of looking forward to that. Absolutely, I'm always looking forward to Sage. Uh, of course, you know, ROM hacks. What are both things that I I know? You know, you more so on the developing side, and me more so, I guess, just as a nerd who likes to play games. Uh, <laughs> something we're both passionate about. So definitely looking forward to to Sage and uh, the hacking contest that's coming up. Is has hacking con- contest come up or is it passed already? I I was traveling uh-huh. most of the summer. I'm not. I'm not sure. Actually, I think. I think that they've started having it coincide directly with Sage. All right. So in that case, I'm looking forward to both of those. <laughs> uh, 
So with that, thank you very much for joining me for this podcast. No problem. I had fun. Cool. And uh, of course, thank you all at home very much for watching or listening this episode of the Stuff We Say podcast. If you feel so inclined, want subscribe on YouTube or follow on your platform of choice. And remember to stay up, uh, keep up with me personally, either on Twitter at Stuff We Play, or by following my main channel that's more game reviews and uh, retrospectives and whatnot on youtube.com slash stuff we play so once again thank you for listening to the stuff we say podcast uh stay classy and i'll see all of you next time